Hello, my friend. If you love this podcast and you'd like to support, I'd like to ask you to consider joining the Patreon page where you, for a small monthly fee, can help contribute to this podcast remaining free to the public. In return, we're building a community and we're trying to build friendship amongst like-minded people, as well as extra bonus material that I will put in the Patreon group. So go to patreon.com slash Dr. Reese or hit the link in the description and see if this opportunity is for you. Now let's begin. Welcome to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese, a program that can help you become liberated in the modern world. Now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin W. Reese. Did you know that you have an inner kingdom? Welcome to episode number 89. Today, I talk to Mary Kriegel. She's the author of Rain, A Guide to Ruling Your Inner Kingdom of Self with Grace, Power, and Authenticity. In this talk, we're going to go over the 12 superpowers and the five realms. In her book, she uses an ancient concept of a kingdom as a metaphor so that we can really self-discover our inside, our inner kingdom, and we can live a better external life. We'll also talk about the power of qi, acupuncture, Chinese medicine, and how to regulate blood pressure. We'll go over fire, earth, metal, water, wood, and all the elements. We'll even touch on journaling. So sit back, relax, and let's begin. Mary, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to be here. So how do we rule our inner kingdom? That's a really good question. And I think that's why I wrote the book. Um, The intention is really just to explore the possibility that small changes in our daily life can have a huge impact on ourselves Mm -hmm. and others. And so the purpose of the book is really an internal journey to explore ways in which each person can find to change them within themselves for the better impacting their lives and those around them. Well, kingdom is a big word. Of course, it was kind of made famous by Jesus, the Christ, you know, that the kingdom of heaven is within you. Although not everyone understands that inside us and not necessarily here in the material world. That's so well said. And from my background as an acupuncturist, it's, it's an interesting kingdom was the framework for their understanding of life because thousands of years ago, that's what they saw outwardly. Um, yeah. So what they saw outwardly was their <clears throat> means of understanding their own selves and their own human body. So as much as they were part of one greater kingdom, they looked at each person as their own individual kingdom. So that's the reference um, for my book. Yeah. So you're an acupuncturist, as you said, you have a great understanding of Taoism, the chi, very important stuff here. Uh, the chi has, you know, been brought up on this podcast many times. Uh, what, what is the law 
of the five elements. So the ancient Chinese, they lived really close to the land and observed the changing landscape. So they kind of followed the seasons and they added one additional season on top of the four that we know today called late summer, kind of a time between August and October. And with each of those seasons, they noticed how the earth changed and different transformations taking place. And they attributed an element to each season, an element they saw in their daily life, water, wood, metal, earth, the ground. So that's the law of the five elements is the idea that we need to flow with the seasons like the earth does and not try to um, go against that flow. The idea of kind of not, not forcing your way through life, but following the pattern of life. Row, row, row your boat gently down, right? That's it's, exactly it. Yeah, that's the greatest song of all time right there. It's true. <laughs> oh, the great Bruce Lee once said, be water, my friend. Yeah. Now, when you work with a patient or a client, uh, how do these five elements factor into to the treatment? So we were taught that they, there's a specific constitutional presence within each one of these elements. So um, fire, for example, is a way of expressing relationships with other people. So that can be on a very intimate setting or kind of a big party. And so it's um, ways of interacting is really sort of a fiery constitution. And then, so we would treat each person that comes in by assessing how they're presenting themselves if they've been overextended or overworked or nervous or anxious, kind of what's the root of that? Is that due to social anxiety or is that um, something else? And then sometimes those sort of fiery relationship interactions can translate to physical problems. Like I said, anxiety or high blood pressure or any number of things. So that's kind of where we start to sort of kind of treat each person individually and understand their personality and where they're coming from. Yeah. So it's kind of a holistic approach. We're dealing with electricity, aren't we? Chi mm -hmm. is essentially electricity. Yes, that's exactly it. So it's the, the energy that's coursing through the body is really what we're treating. And so <clears throat> the different points on the body discovered by the ancient Chinese are a means to kind of facilitate that flow, that natural progression of movement to keep the boat rowing down the stream, so to speak. I'm, I'm always amazed at how it's just present and advanced the ancient Chinese were, like the Chinese medicine, acupuncture, understanding the chi. It, it's, it's quite amazing when we look at it in hindsight, isn't it? Oh, it, it truly is. And it's such beautiful medicine. And I think there, there's an air of mystery around it to a degree, because it's not as um, frequently used in modern world. Mm -hmm. But there's a real simplistic beauty to it that I think we have a lot to learn from. It not only treats the physical self, but to kind of understand our own ways of being, you know, our own spirituality, our own um, mental presence, our own interactions with others. There's a lot of wisdom to be gleaned, gleaned from this medicine. 
so this inner kingdom we have how do we how do we rule it how do we become kings and queens oh yes well my intention for writing the book was to explore that and so i used the metaphor of the kingdom which was what the ancient chinese observed in their time and i used that metaphor um, as a part of as my book as the idea that you're journeying through your own internal kingdom so I took the visualization of a medieval kingdom, um, kind of like Game of Thrones type era. Yeah, yeah. Um, and kind of started with the idea of, you know, there's a castle at the center, which is your heart. And then each of the 12 superpowers that I introduced or archetypes in my book relate to the 12 lines of energy of acupuncture or the 12 meridians. So I bring them to life in my book as characters. So the idea is, as you read the book, you're, you're taking a journey with a map, with um, a chart of powers, and you're journeying through this medieval kingdom within yourself to kind of meet the different components of yourself. Mm. So that's, that's my intention. And when you meet each one, they each have their own character, their own flair, and we have all 12 of them within us. So what are the 12 characters? The 12 Uh, superpowers. Yeah. You know, I I came up with this idea, actually. There's a acupuncture point called the outer frontier gate. And I used it frequently in a lot of my treatments for people for many, many different reasons. But the the naming of the point, the the outer frontier gate, was used to describe the kingdom reference. So if each person is their own kingdom at the far reaches of their kingdom would be housed a gate. And this is called the outer frontier gate. So it was where you would interact with people who are not um, close relationships. They could be casual acquaintances. They could be um, store clerks. They could be your fellow commuters on the road. Mm. And at the time when I was thinking about writing this book, my children um, were starting to get into social media. And it occurred to me that the concept of this outer frontier gate or an outer gatekeeper is very similar to our interactions with those that we deal with on social media. Because it's that constant questioning of, do we allow them in as friends? Do we like them? You know, there's that, that gate interchange that happens within each of us every day, not only on social media, but then just interacting with others. So one of my archetypes or characters is called the outer gatekeeper. Hmm. It's sort of a representation of, are we keeping that gate strong? Are we opening it up too much to let too many people in? Or are we keeping it too close too frequently and not letting people in? So I think there's a lot of wisdom, especially in this day and age, to kind of question that, look into that and say, you know, now there's so many ways that we can communicate with others are we always choosing the best path? So Mm. it's an internal exploration as you go through this journey in my book, meant to really question some of these things and say, is this really healthy for me? Is this really what is serving me best? And could I shift something or could I change something? Right. What would be another another superpower or character? Mm. Yeah, well, you know, as you kind of progress through the kingdom, you move from element to element and you meet them all. 
we talked about the outer gatekeeper, but another concept is the inner gatekeeper. Mm. So on a visualization, once you cross the outer gate and you come into the kingdom's land, you head towards the castle and the castle will have that rampart, you know, the um, huge gate to let it in that can be lowered and raised during the day to allow different visitors to come through. And that is a metaphor for a close relationship or somebody's heart, so to speak. Yeah, you're letting someone get in, get close. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, and everyone has their own, everyone I think will have their own um, characters that they identify with more than others and their own places of wobble or frustration or a place where, you know, maybe they're not as strong. Right. And a lot of the concept of the 12, the 12 different superpowers, is that we have all of them to use at any time. They're all at our disposal. But frequently, I found, and we were taught in acupuncture school, people use one of the 12 more than others because it becomes comfortable. Mm. And the idea behind doing this exploration or this journey is to meet all 12 that you have within you and to really kind of question, am I using all of my abilities to the best that I can? Yeah, most people are not. No. <laughs> we're, we're distracted with television and social media and the news. Exactly, exactly. Or, you know, it could be a personal thing. I'll, I'll share for myself, um, as far as the inner gatekeeper, you know, I had, um, in high school, I had a, a tough time with some of the girls and, you know, a little bit of a classic mean girl situation. Hmm. And when that happens, it can really leave a mark. Oh, yeah. So here I am, you know, in, in my 50s, early 50s. And it's interesting that those past experiences, we do tend to carry them with us. So for me, in the concept of this book and traveling through this journey, my inner gate, I keep closed. Um, more than I should. And I've learned that about myself, that I need to open up more with, to others and to allow people, you know, to get close to me. I, I keep it very close to the best is another mm. way to say it. Um, as a protective measure because of having been hurt in the past. Sure. So I love the gate metaphor here. So you have the outer gatekeeper and you have the inner gatekeeper and you want to keep it functioning, you know, allow it to be open as it needs to be, but then also keep it closed when there's um, those that maybe aren't in your best, you know, serve you the best, or have your best interests at heart. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good metaphor. So, so what's, what's superpower number three? So superpower number three is the trusted advisor. Hmm. And that is once you've kind of Across the kingdom's lands. The, consigli the consigliere. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yes. So that, that is the one that kind of helps you question um, your convictions, what you stand for. It's the advisor to the king or the queen. It's the one that sits, you know, and whispers next to them sitting on the throne. I'm like, is that a good idea? <laughs> and I think, you know, the best example of that today would be, um, come on, the crazy political strife that has happened and how people can get very stuck in one camp or another mm. and not maybe keep an open mind or, you know, have themselves so convinced of 
a way of being that may or may not be the right one or not right one or just open to other ideas, Mm -hmm. I guess. So this superpower is the one to use kind of what we stand up for, so to speak. How about number four? Number four is the noble or the king or the queen. And that's your heart. That is the essence of who you are. And we all have that. And I think it's, it's that inner um, strength that comes when we want to stand up and do what's right for someone, or whether that's, you know, pursuing a relationship that you've wanted to have, or, you know, that type of thing, or questioning social justice, or questioning your way of being. That's the essence of who we are. And so the heart, much like in a physical body, if, you know, that is struggling, the whole body is struggling. And it's the same, I think, for us in relationships and in life, you want to have a very strong, strong way of being and an authentic self that we're presenting to the world. So hmm. that is our, uh, that's the last of the fire, the four fire archetypes. So that's one whole element there um, that I've kind of described for you in four different ways based on the characters. Right. And for those listening, basically, essentially what you're saying is you have four elements and then you, these superpowers are in the groups of these four elements. Exactly. Similar, yeah, similar to the Eightfold Path laid out by Gautama the Buddha. That's, that's perfect. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and a lot of people have trouble grasping the concept of the heart. Because when you think of heart, you think of your anatomy, you think of your real heart. But we're talking about something different here. Uh, many spiritual math- masters, modern and ancient, have said that, you know, it's it's the chakra of our, our so- you know, it's our solar plexus, essentially. And there's an energy there, and that's where we, our true self is, our light, if you will. A lot of people think it's up here because the so-called third eye, they think it's in the head. It's but, it's, but it's not it's right it's here to the to the right of the real heart right in the center sort of right yes it's, it's beautifully said very beautifully said and so in the ancient chinese tradition the heart is part of the, the fire element as all of the interactions with people and it's part of who we are as our authentic selves and i think that's the most important thing um you know, that we can do in today's life is, is really strive to be that yeah. for ourselves. All right. So what's number five, which brings yeah. us to the earth element, right? It does. So we're, we're moving in a clockwise direction in our, in our journey. There's a map in my book and it follows the pattern of the elements from the ancient Chinese. So we're from fire, we're going to move to the earth element, and that is a energetic type that is basically a rounded circular energy, kind of like a mother rocking their child, or um, kind of from periphery to center, sort of that, that rounded energy. And within the earth element, there's two, two different lines of energy, and I explore them as, again, characters. And so the first one is the gardener. And the gardener is sort of that nurturing type of energy where you really think of a mother, you're caring for your child, or in a relationship, it's knowing how your partner likes their coffee, 
Mm. and bringing it to them and serving it. So it's a very nurturing energy that we all have. And some of us have it much stronger than others or, or use it more frequently, but we all have it to give to one another as sort of a caring, nurturing presence. A gardener, I like that. I'm a, I'm a rookie gardener, so I understand. <laughs> I'm out there trying to grow melons and squash and everything. Right. It's, it, you know, it, I like the idea of the gardener name just because of that. I think gardening is, is difficult and, and experts, I mean, they know so much and how to care for mm-hmm. so many different plants that are all so unique, kind of like us humans. So we all have our own, um, our own specific needs and wants. And for you to understand what another person needs and wants is such a gift, really, and to be able to provide that. So it's kind of, we can do it in small ways or in big ways, but we all yeah, have. And, and as a gardener, you have to figure out what the plant wants. And, you know, like I made a mistake, you know, last spring, summer was my first ever year doing it. And some of my crops didn't come out the way I wanted them to. And I had to, in hindsight, be like, well, what did I do wrong? And it turns out I wasn't giving them enough compost. Mm. You're supposed to keep putting compost on because they eat the compost. I'm like, ah, oh, I didn't, yeah, I didn't feed them enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's exactly it. The, the concept of caring for another, another being. Yeah. And it's, it's not easy, you know, because we're, we're not mind readers often. And to really, it takes time. I think, you know, in, in your example with the, the composting, you know, you learn through your experience what another being really needs or what, yeah. what you can provide them. And not only does it take time, but it also requires you to have the desire and interest to do that, to really get involved in another person's life and, and offer what you can to nurture them, to help them. Next time I meet a woman, I'll be like, are you a gardener? <laughs> there you go. That's, that's what you want. <laughs> All right, what's number six? Number six is the scholar. So with each um, character archetype in my book, I put a little quote kind of as a, a way to sort of introduce the, the concept of the, the character, the, the way of being within you. And for this one, it's Socrates, and it's an unexamined life is not worth living. Hmm. And the idea with this scholar, and we're again, we're in the earth element, so it's a rounded circular energy. And the idea of the scholar is examining things from all sides to kind of reflecting on a topic or a discussion and coming at it from many different ways. So it's sort of the idea of ruminating or considering thinking and processing, you know, your life's events or your ideas, your concepts. And so the scholar energy is really all about kind of thinking about things. And, you know, in excess, of course, it can get to overthinking or anxiety, Mm -hmm. certainly. But we all have the concept to kind of really mull things over. You know, we have to learn new things every day. So it's the idea of taking these new concepts and, and processing them. Yeah, I like the idea of learning skills instead of just book knowledge. Sometimes like going back to the gardening, you know. Yes. (laughs) Learning how to grow food or maybe learning how to change your own oil in your car. Just the constant 
learning, being a scholar and creating new skills to add on to your life. Yeah. And, you know, every day, I mean, gosh, there's new apps that are coming out. I mean, there's so many things that yeah. every day we're, we're learning, we're trying to understand. Um, and I think that, you know, we all have that capacity within us. And sometimes some of us use it a little more than others um, to excess, or sometimes we use it a little too, too little and yeah. maybe need to wear it a little bit more. So what's number seven? Number seven, we're moving out of earth and we're going out of metal. And my visual for metal is sort of a kind of stark mountains, if you will, that are boulders and they have quartz uh, crystals in their face so they can kind of glisten a little bit. And the idea with the metal kingdom is that it's sort of the treasury of the kingdom. It's the miners that mine for the precious gems down in the earth or it's the um, scalpel uh, is one of my characters. And I like the idea of the name of that because it's that sharp cutting of things that don't serve you in your life. And some people, and I've met a few, um, really have that gift in an amazing capacity. Mm. And it can be either removing things that, you know, cleaning out a closet with, you know, utter decisiveness and or it can be um, walking away from a relationship that doesn't serve and we all have the capacity to know what really we should have in our kingdom it can be difficult at times when we've had maybe some friendships that are no longer um, really rewarding or, or, or maybe even hurtful and to know when to kind of say this this is not serving me anymore in my life so that's the scalpel character of mm. the metal and okay. the opposite side of that is is the character i call the treasurer and the treasurer is the one that keeps all the precious gems in the kingdom and knows what they are and they sort of that's sort of the concept of knowing what is beautiful in life and to really appreciate that beauty and to really look in, in your life and say this, this is gorgeous. This is a work of art. And a lot of times these are artists. We all have the capacity to be creative artists. I mean, some are just masterful at it, you know, telling a witty joke or creating a sculpture out of what others might consider trash, for example. <laughs> so the metal kingdom is really about um, what you value in life and knowing when it's time to either part with something or it's time to treasure it and keep it. And I really like that metal concept of the scalpel because it's that sharply honed knife or the treasurer that's really keeping an eye on all of the kingdom's riches and the jewels and the, you know, all the gorgeous artwork. So is the treasure number eight? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And would the treasure also be in charge of someone's financial life as well? Absolutely. That's, that's great. That's yeah, actually, you know, having some fiscal responsibility and is, is one way, of course, we, we have different um, riches and gifts in our life and some are physical, you know, some are financial, um, some are spiritual, but certainly knowing how to um, account for them and to say what, what is 
what's the best way to kind of develop the riches in my kingdom? So of course, yeah, financially, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a big one uh, during the time of the pandemic, people who lost jobs and trying to find new jobs or trying to create more revenue streams. And, you know, there's a lot of potential stress that comes along with that for Mr. Treasurer. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. And, you know, the other side of the treasurer is loss. And um, I think it's been such a tough year. There's been a lot of a lot of change and a lot of loss in, in many different ways. As you said, people losing their jobs, um, people losing, you know, their everyday habits that they were comfortable with, and just so much change. And it, it can be difficult, I think. Um, you know, of course, loss is diff- difficult. So sometimes it's nice to have the idea that, you should acknowledge it and recognize it and, and kind of um, appreciate it and, and respect it. You yeah. know, I think that's, it's important to, to kind of walk through that. So who's number nine? Uh, number nine. So we're moving away from metal okay. in the mountains and um, water, right? We're moving into water. Yes. And the water kingdom is really about that metaphorical wintry time of quiet and wisdom and meditation. And so there's two different um, characters in my water element. There is um, what I call the vessel Hmm. and the vessel is a container. And the idea is that you're sitting, holding, holding your, your wisdom and your thoughts. And this best example of this is the meditative practice is to kind of enter into that quiet time, that reflection, that meditation. So the vessel is holding, holding your wisdom, your life's wisdom you've experienced from yourself or from someone else. Just it's your, everything you've kind of learned along the way. Number 10. Yeah. And the other side of water is, um, the torrent, so that's my number 10. And the torrent, I kind of picture like a tidal wave. It's mm. that power that we all have within us to kind of keep moving in life. And we can see it easily when we're pushing ourselves to stay up later than we should be, for example, or um, you know, running marathons, um, pushing our bodies, pushing our minds. And we realize like we can't, we can't stay up late and party every night. Some you can, but eventually it catches up with you. So this torrent energy is used when you really need to kind of push through something to kind of use your power, yeah. um, either physically or emotionally, in, in whichever way. And so it's a concept of pushing pushing through something. Perseverance. Exactly, perseverance. Number eleven. Number eleven. Okay, we're in our last element now. Wood, wood, right? Into wood, yes. And personally, I really like wood. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. a great um, element to discuss. There's two archetypes there. And the concept behind it is sort of, it's a spring. It's a springtime energy. So it's the little seedling that is pushing up through the ground, kind of defying that, you know, that, that surface and coming up to flower. So the, the two archetypes that I have in wood 
are the general. And I think we probably all can imagine somebody in our lives that is like a general kind of a take charge person. Yeah. You know, that um, kind of has, has the plan, knows the plan. Um, and really they're very, this is a very gifted energy because it's very creative. You know, it's that person that can, can see the winning football play, um, the innovative, um, you know, uh, redesign of a room, for example, before it even happens. It's can seeing the, the far reaches or outlining a, a, a battle or a plan or an idea before anybody else. And making taking the steps to make that happen, right? So, very much a leadership and structure type of archetype, which yeah. we all need. We all need to have some plan for our day, for our life. Yeah, it is a superpower. It's a superpower I've been using for many years. <laughs> <laughs> Just to take over, take charge, be organized, get it done. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of combined with uh, the perseverance in a way, right? That's, you know, that's exactly right. You need them both. And, and we need all of these things. The other component of wood um, element, the, the 12th character is um, what I call the decider. So it's that person that if the general has the overarching plan, you need to have someone who can fill in all the details. So in my metaphor here, if the general is the tall tree, the ancient tall tree, the decider are all of the twigs and branches that fill up the tree. Mm. So to have a plan, you've got to make a lot of decisions to make it happen. Mm. So here we are. We got these 12 superpowers that people can use to rule their inner kingdom. It's a great metaphor. One of the things I really like about your book is you have areas for journaling. So the, the reader can stop and, and put down their thoughts as it relates to the chapter that you just wrote. How important is journaling? I think it's tremendously important. And um, I, I like the idea of pausing and taking a moment. And this book is, is really just about yourself. There's no right or wrong. So it's nice to, to take a moment and to do kind of an internal reflection or inventory. I think that we all have an almost an obligation to be our best selves. And we've learned through COVID how much we all impact each other mm. and how much one decision can, can really make a lot of changes, you know, right. um, so the idea behind the journaling is that if we just kind of maybe go through the book and say, am I, am I nurturing someone as much as I could? Mm. Could I, um, do I need to make a change? Am I really happy with my career, my commute, my any, any number of things? And kind of just walk through all of the different roles that each of the 12 energies have within us. Yeah. Jot a few ideas down and maybe come back to it. If not the next day, maybe a week or, you know, revisit it yearly, whatever, but to kind of always maybe just do an internal reflection 
Yeah, it's a discovery. It's an inquiry into yourself. No, I thought that was great. Journaling is, you know, one of the ways to to get inside ourselves and see what's going on. So I was happy that you included that. Yes, I think it's it's a really and it's something that everybody can do. You know, it's um, at all ages. You know, whether you're a teenager, older person. And um, it's a nice reflection on where you are in life at times, especially if you go back to it. So let's talk about our health a little bit here. You know, I'm a holistic doctor and I've had many clients over the last 10 years and I'm familiar with the medical establishment. And I've always been the anti-medical establishment, you know, the holistic approach as you are with acupuncture, acupuncture and whatnot. So my question is, why do you think here in the Western world, this knowledge of chi and, and, and herbs and, you know, the, the Chinese way of medicine, why isn't it totally accepted here in the West? That's a great question. I, I think it's um, not, people aren't aware of it. I think it's new. I also wonder if there is quite a bit of skepticism, you know, it's, for myself, my, my dad is a, is a doctor, and um, I remember feeling a little bit, I don't want to say nervous, but uncomfortable telling him that I was going to pursue a career in acupuncture, because my immediate thought that he would feel is that I'm doing something kind of woo-woo, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. out there. Um, and for me, he he surprised me. He actually said, you know, Mary, I, I had acupuncture um, many, many years ago, and I think it's great, and I've seen how it can help people. So I, I was surprised on a personal level because that's not what I expected. And I think it, it's because people aren't familiar with it or they don't understand the benefits that it can, can provide to someone. But herbs definitely aren't accepted yet. <laughs> no, no, they're not, unfortunately. But there are, I have many um, friends that are Chinese herb practitioners. And, um, you know, and I have worked with people that, that prescribe them. And I think they're, they're such a great medicine, and they really can be helpful, you know, and I yeah. think it's really powerful. Um, and so I think, you know, nature, nature is wise. And there's a lot of really great gifts that that she has to provide for us. Yeah. Science has infiltrated over the last, whatever, a hundred years or so. And yeah. Created their own patents. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, you know, it's interesting. The reason that I became an acupuncturist is because I was having a lot of anxiety and um, high blood pressure because mm. of it. And my medical doctor, the answer was to prescribe medication, you know, right. more and more high blood pressure medication. And at the time, I mean, I was younger and active and didn't have too many other, um, what I want to say, um, you know, other physical problems. So it was puzzling to me. And our friend said, hey, you know, have you, would you like to try an acupuncturist? And I was kind of like, I don't know, a um, little nervous at first. But I have to tell you, Kevin, I mean, it, it changed my life. It, it reduced my blood pressure. It calmed my anxiety. It, um, it, it just gave 
benefit in so many ways. It really did and reduced stress. And so it was had such a huge impact on me that I became an acupuncturist. You know, right. so. That's usually how it goes. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Right. And it's, you know, there's, um, for me, I couldn't find relief from Western medical doctors, which is what drew me to do something that is probably not considered the norm. In a so you, de- you declined, the, you declined the science. I did. Yeah. And right. we all know there's side effects with this medication. Mm-hmm. And yeah. especially for young people, all right, if you're in your sixties or seventies, all right. But you know, if you're in your twenties, thirties, forties, these side effects are, are going to be, you know, they're, they're going to ch- change your, alter your lifestyle. Yeah. And the, the doctor wanted to, to increase my medication. And I said, let's, let's wait and see. And she, I was borderline enough that she was willing to partner with me. And unfortunately she was very agreeable and responsive to the acupuncture and the treatment and, and she could see how it was benefiting. So it really worked out. Yeah. And the other thing about blood pressure too, is you got to take a lot of readings oh. in order, in order to figure out what your average is. You can't just take one reading and that's right. it. Especially in a doctor's office. I mean, for me, it's not, I'm not a, I'm an anxious patient. I just don't know who does enjoy going to the doctor, but you know, if you take your blood pressure when you're in, a, in an anxious state in the doctor's office, you know, for me, it was always artificially high. And so then they're prescribing medication based on that anxious level, you know? Um, so as you said, their blood pressure, just like a lot of your, um, your body changes so much during the day. So, and there's so many herbs that help. There's garlic, there's hawthorn, hawthorn berry, there's, you know, dandelion, there's the list goes on and on and on and on. And and there's formulas out there. I mean, someone could even go on Amazon, find an herbal formula specific to blood pressure and look at the reviews and you'll see people. Oh yeah. My blood pressure used to be 150 over hundred and now it's 120 over 80. And it's, how can you deny these results from herbs? Yeah, I think um, a holistic approach is really so beneficial. And, you know, what works for one person may not for the next, but but I agree with you 100%. I think that a natural, you know, remedy, if if it can help, and if it's, you know, works with you, then I think that's, that's the way to go for sure. And that's why, you know, for me, acupuncture was really, really helpful. And it it gave me a greater understanding of, of how the emotions work in the body and how we all have ways that we can, can shift and things that we can control even a little bit. We sometimes think we don't have as much control as we do um, to kind of explore ways of, of, of changing. So, so your acupuncture, you, you think it, it, it moved your chi and move the flow and that opened up the blood vessels, if you will. Absolutely. I think the acupuncture kind of, um, you know, the idea behind putting uh, needles in the body is to clear what the ancient Chinese called stagnation or blockages. So if there are 
chi is running through your body, think of like a huge stream that kind of circles through your body. If there is um, a blockage of that stream, then the, it would be like a stagnation. So the points on the body that are used in acupuncture are to clear those blockages. And blockages um, in acupuncture can be put in place by many things. Obviously it could be physical trauma, you hurt your back, you hurt your knee, whatever, um, to relieve pain. But it can also be lifestyle choices. It can also be emotions, you know, anxiety, overthinking, um, can create, you know, anything from a bellyache to a headache. So I think the idea behind putting the needles is to kind of keep that flow of energy in your body moving consistently and clearly. And it just kind of helps break up some of that. How many acupuncture treatments did you have when you were going through that? That's a great question because some people feel like, um, don't understand that it is a cumulative treatment. So for me, I started to feel better. I think after, I felt better after the first one, but slowly, gradually, I would say it was four to six treatments is usually the normal course of action or course um, suggestion for different. Now, of course, everybody's different and they're coming to acupuncture for different reasons. Um, you know, I treated a lot with fertility, for example. And so for that, it's a weekly protocol for women who are going through IVF and that type of program. Um, so different patients, of course, with different um, symptoms, you know, different um, things are prescribed, different course of treatment. But the average, I would say, is somewhere between four to six and eight weekly treatments until you start feeling better. And then you can space them out more. And do some people come in faithfully like one twice a month or something like it was a massage? Yeah, people, I mean, they, they, they rave about it. It come, usually come as kind of like their spa treatment, their time to relax, their time to unwind and, and they feel better so much afterwards. I had it done. I had a three, a three time treatment once. And, uh, I never looked at the needles. I, <laughs> I never looked, uh, but I understand that. The, you know, the, the one, the one that felt weird was the foot, like mm -hmm. right, right by the top of the toes. That was like, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> it's, um, people think needles, you know, they think of the doctor's needles, like, um, where you're either getting a shot or they're drawing blood and, and I don't like needles, but these are hair thin, um, tiny things that you don't really feel coming, you know, into your bodies, but it is a strange experience. And you're right. You know, oftentimes the points that are used frequently are on the feet <laughs> and it can be a little, um, little uncomfortable or just unusual because you're saying, well, my head hurts. Why are you putting a needle in my toe? <laughs> Yeah. but it works. So the practitioner will fill you up with your needles and depending on what your symptoms are, the needles go in different places, right? Correct. And then they leave for like fifth was about 15 minutes or so. Yeah. Anywhere from 15 to, to a half an hour, but usually somewhere in that time frame. Um, and uh, you know, for us different places that I've worked, we always have some way of um, 
giving the patient some sort of button if they need you or, you know, so that they can, you can come and check on them. I always check on them halfway or so. So they're never alone. Um, I do know some practitioner friends that sit with their patients the entire time, but it's mostly relaxing. It's, you know, you can turn the lights down a little bit. Mm -hmm. Some like some music, some don't. You give them the option. It's a good time to meditate because you, you, you're opening up the chi, so. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. I did that once and uh, I saw some colors, so. Oh, really? Yeah, some pur- little purple, little purple. Mm-hmm. Right, while, the, while there's needles sticking out of me. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. People report different experiences, you know, um, a lot of people sleep and some people have, like you said, see different colors or different thoughts come to mind. Sometimes it's a huge release. You know, afterwards, people have told me that they finally cried, that they haven't cried in a long time or, or any number of things. And it's, um, so things definitely move within the person. So what's recommended overall for health once a week, twice a month? Yeah, I, I think, um, twice a month or once a week, especially if you feel like you're, you're needing something, some support at this time, whether it's um, stress or some physical ailment, but I do feel that everyone could benefit from acupuncture and yeah. receiving regular treatments. How long before it's covered under everyone's insurance? Gosh, that's a good question. Um, I know it, it varies by state. Um, so I think it depends you know, where you live. And for example, I received my degree in Maryland and a lot of my practitioner friends work there and I know it's widely accepted with insurance. But in Virginia, where I live currently, it's not, unfortunately. So it's, uh, it varies by state. I don't, I don't know. I wish I had an answer for that because I think everyone would benefit from it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the Chinese, uh, they knew what they were doing. I don't know if they still know what they're doing, but they did. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. So the book is called Reign, R-E-I-G-N, for those listening. And it's a guide to ruling your inner kingdom of self with grace, power, and authenticity. And uh, this is on Amazon? It is. Amazon, yes. Okay. And do you have a website? I do. It's rainbook, R-E-I-G-N book.com. So you can reach me through that. Yeah, I appreciate your time. And and I hope that these 12 superpowers are going to help many, many people. I'm sure I'm sure this book took a took a while to produce. It did. And thank you, Kevin. It's been a pleasure to be on your show. And I appreciate all of your thoughtful questions and the chance to discuss my book. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese. If this episode opened your heart, feel free to share on social media and tell your loved ones. Also, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, may peace be with you.